Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. And if you could please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7. Our theme for this week, this revival, is Divinely Blessed Ministers Connecting as One. In the past year, in 2019, we have been discussing and learning about how to strive to be divinely connected as one. And not only are we divinely connected as one, but we are divinely blessed members that are connecting as one. And our bishop has proclaimed to us that we are divinely blessed. So we're not just blessed, but we're divinely blessed because of our connection with God. And as ministers, we are divinely blessed as we are striving to strengthen our connection as one within our minister's team as well as our OCC church family. And so I will be coming from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 7. And it reads, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. With using that as our our focus scripture in our backdrop, I want to speak to you from the subject, ministers connecting as one for the winning goal. Ministers connecting as one for the winning goal. Please join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence that is continuing to fill and anoint us right now, Lord. We thank you for your spirit that is manifesting within the sanctuary, Lord. We thank you for the word that is set forth before us tonight, Lord. And we lift you up, Lord, in helping us as ministers, as members, as people, Lord, to connect as one, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for using me, Lord. I come before you with humility, Lord. And just ask you to use me, Lord, to deliver the word that is set before your people tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, a couple areas to look at, a couple definitions and terms to focus on. Diversities is a a distinction or variety. It is a difference. A gift is a favor with which one receives without any merit of his own. It naturally comes. It's similar to a talent. Ministries is a service. And activities is an effect, it's an operation. And when it's the same spirit, when it's the same, it's a light. There's no changing, it's not different, it is the same without changing. And so in understanding that, whether we may recognize it or not, diversity is constantly around us. From work, to the classroom, to church, wherever it may be, it is constantly around us. And in understanding diversity, we must understand that we are made individually by God. We have our own set physical traits. We have our own set personalities, our own set interests, gifts, and talents. And with each of that, we have our own strengths. And then we also have our own areas that might need a little extra Jesus in improving. And so in improving for the better, we understand that we all come from different areas, different backgrounds, different knowledge, different teachings. 
And so in recognizing that, as mentioned before, we are constantly striving to embrace our differences in order to connect as one. And so no matter how young or seasoned we may be, each and one of us, each and every one of us have been brought together into our ministry for a purpose. And especially our ministers have been each and every one of them have been brought together for a divine purpose in our ministry. And so it's vital in recognizing and acknowledging that our members, our visitors, and our guests come from diverse backgrounds. Each person that walks into our midst has a backpack. And in that backpack, it has different family dynamics, different family backgrounds, different types, different personalities, different church experiences. We all have different ways that makes us who we are. And so in acknowledging our diverse backgrounds, we as ministers must be led by the Lord in our actions, our thoughts, and the words that are spoken when interacting with others in ministry. And so you know that typically no one comes into ministry, into the sanctuary, wearing a shirt that says all the challenges I've been facing, everything I've been dealing with, everything that's been going on. We don't wear it, right? So we don't really understand or recognize or know the challenges that we face on a daily basis. However, God recognizes that. He knows what we go through. He knows what we face on a daily basis. Therefore, when we are connected to those who serve in ministry, he will connect us to those that can help and be a blessing to us whenever we are facing a difficult challenge. And so thankfully we're blessed to have divine ministers who are genuinely connected with God who can assist us and lead us and guide us after being led by God to assist us in whatever we may be facing. And so focusing back to our main text, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 through 6. Once again, it reads, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. Notice in verses 4 through 6, the phrase there are is repeated at the beginning of each verse. There are diversities of gifts or talents, or natural abilities. There are differences of ministries or services, and there are different diversities of activities or operations. So in my opinion, utilizing there are at the beginning of each verse eliminates any hesitation in questioning that there will be diversity within the church. It's a concrete faith that in acknowledging that in ministry, we're going to have different gifts, ministries, and activities. And so notice that regardless of the different gifts and ministries and activities, we still have the same God who works all in all. The end of verse 6, all in all. That is everyone and everything. He's not only working in us, but he's working within our sanctuary, within our musician's equipment, within our audio team, within our kitchen committee, within our food pantry, with backpack program, within our tutoring ministry. He is working all in all regardless of our different gifts and activities and ministries. So it's exciting to know that we're going to grow up, we're going to develop, we're going to grow and prosper naturally and spiritually, but we also know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Please go with me to Hebrews 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8. It's a very familiar scripture, but it doesn't hurt to have just a little refresher. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, and it reads, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is never changing. 
And so as people come in and are striving to learn to be more like God, and as ministers, we have to recognize and know that people may not understand the teachings that we have been taught all our lives or different years in ministry. They may not understand why it's important and encouraged to stand and reverence our man and woman of God. They may not understand the supernatural increase that comes from sowing into our good ground, sowing into tithes and offering consistently to reap the benefits, to receive the benefits. And there are people that may just have a great desire to strive to live for God but may not know how to. And so how can we as ministers, as leaders, and members embrace our different backgrounds, celebrate our diversity, which is our gifts, our ministries, and abilities, and build our connection as one? We're going to take a look at a story, a parable, excuse me. John 11, John 11, about a man named Lazarus. John 11. So just a little bit of background information. Lazarus of Bethany was very sick. He was the brother of Mary and Martha. In a previous encounter with the Lord, Mary anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and Martha had cooked for him. So there was word that was sent from Mary and Martha to Jesus that Lazarus was sick. And so Jesus loved Mary, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And when Jesus had heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. Now, although he did not see him necessarily in those two days, in recognizing that because even though, Jesus, even though Lazarus was delayed, he was not denied. So even when we may not receive our blessing initially at the moment that we may want it, Jesus may want us to wait a little bit, to be delayed a little bit, in order to receive the anointing, the blessing, in the timing that he thinks that we need it. And so I believe that Lazarus was connected to two women who faithfully and humbly served Jesus. And because of his connection, as we are striving to connect as one, Lazarus was also a recipient of the benefits and the favor that Jesus was ready to bless upon him because of his sisters who diligently served to Jesus. And so you know that when we're connected and we're serving, we are going to receive those benefits as well. We may not recognize where that favor comes from, but when we are connected to those that serve in ministry, we will be recipients of those benefits and of that favor as well. And so as we're continuing on, his disciples were questioning Jesus as to why he wanted to stay. Thus focusing on the latter part of his initial, of Jesus' initial response in verse 11. And it reads, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to him plainly, just make it plain, Jesus, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, verse 16, then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. 
And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Oh. Okay, but even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Mary said to, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And so just jumping ahead just a tad, we have the Jews that were comforting Mary and Martha. There was a little bit of questioning. There was a little bit of focusing on the natural and that Lazarus was dead in the tomb. So we're going to jump to verse 37. Verse 37, and it reads, And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hands and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Pretty familiar parable. If we're going to go back, we're going to go back to John 11, verse 17, and just understanding a little bit more about the importance and the significance of Lazarus and how it connects and how this parable connects to our ministers. Verse 17 reads, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. So we are recognizing that Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. It was a long time. You know, once you're dead, you're dead, you know. Okay, so in verse 20, then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now, I could possibly see that Mary was still grieving while she was in the house waiting and over the natural circumstances of her brother. And how many of us may sometimes have a difficult time reverencing Jesus because we're hitting behind what we naturally see? And so in verse 23 through 24, once um, as read before, Jesus said to her, which is Martha, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last, at the last day. Like, yes, Jesus, I recognize he will rise again later, not right now. Then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Mic drop. I mean, what can you say to that? What can you say to that full response right there? Because that's why Sister Charity is not Martha. Just understand. 
So there was a lot of questioning because they're only seeing the natural. They're only focused on understanding that Lazarus was dead. Why is Jesus here? What are you saying? I mean, you keep saying this, Jesus, but really and truly, I mean, he's dead, right? So going into verse 38. Verse 38, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. So I can imagine this cave was quite large and sealed very tightly. And sometimes we get so caught up in messy situations that there is a stench that comes from a messy situation, a stench of jealousy, a stench of anger, of pride that comes with our drama because we're not allowing Jesus to work and manifest and operate in our situation. Because we're so caught up in what we naturally see, we can't really recognize and allow God to remove that tomb that is blocking our blessing, from blocking us from receiving our blessing. And yes, I have seen enough crime shows, enough criminal minds and law and order to recognize that I'm sure there was probably a stench that would come if they opened up the tomb. I do understand Martha in that area. So in verse 40, it reads, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Now, although we do not have a direct conversation with God, do we sometimes find ourselves questioning Jesus and what he's trying to do in our lives? Why is this trial not over? I know pastor said X, Y, and Z. I know he said to give that extra offering, but does he not understand my bank account? Does he not understand that I got this going on, I got this issue, I got this problem going on? Why can't there be an easier process? Why is it so difficult to be patient and to wait on God to operate in my life? And it's almost as if we may unintentionally question that we can't be delivered from those dark places that we may be battling due to we're too focused on the natural and not focused on the spiritual miracles that are waiting for us and the blessings that are waiting for us because we need to have faith in Jesus. So verse 43, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. The power in saying, loose him and let him go, and Lazarus was no longer dead, but alive. And Lazarus had been bound with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And so he needed that to be removed. We can concur. We can agree. We can dis- uh, understand that once Jesus was naturally alive again, the grave clothes that were on him needed to be removed. And so Lazarus' death represents the spiritual death that we can have during situations in our lives that we may have lost faith in, or that the lost soul, or the lost souls that need their spiritual man renewed, revived. And as mentioned in Romans 10 and 17, please join me in Romans 10 and 17. Verse 
Romans 10 and 17 reads, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so, as we know in Romans 10 and 17, our faith comes from hearing and hearing the written and revealed word of God from our pastor. So when we are constantly hearing the word, and we're strengthening our faith, and we're opening up that tomb, we are allowing God to lift up our spiritual man, to revive our spiritual man, to resurrect our spiritual man, So we can get ready for the plans and the gifts and the abilities and the activities and the ministries and service that we can provide and serve in the kingdom of God. So Jesus will lift us up, but it's going to take a minister to remove those grave clothes. Those grave clothes will may represent fear, doubt, lack of faith, lack of trust. It may represent anger. It may represent an impoverished mindset that because my family came from an impo- a said impoverished home that I cannot break that generational curse. I cannot go and strive and be successful the way God would have me to be. And so ministers can be led by God with how to remove those grave clothes by having those intentional conversations and building those relationships with people in church. In addition to building those relationships, they can sit with them in church. They can have home visits. They can pray with them. They are investing time with our people. My fellow ministers, as we learn about people that walk through our doors, we can learn about them, pray for them, and ask God for how to be the best, better equipped to be the best person that we can be in naturally and spiritually encouraging the saints, the members, the guests, the lost souls that are coming into our sanctuary, into our ministry. And the impact of investing that time and building that relationship is quite significant. And I have learned and been a witness of this amazing impact when I take just a couple minutes to ask someone, how is your day? How is life? What is going on in your fascinating world? Because it builds a trust. It builds a trust in knowing that I care about them. I wanted to know what's going on. They may have never gotten that good morning. They may have not received that hug for today. But we can make that difference. We can make that impact in the ministry. The more time we invest into others, the more we will learn and understand the diversity that is among us and continue to seek God's direction for how to best assist and encourage one another. Because when we are investing those times, we're going to learn about other people's gifts. We're going to learn about their areas of ministry that they can be a part of. And so the more people feel a part of the ministry, the more they're able to use their gifts, the more connected they will feel, and the more excited and motivated and encouraged they will feel because they are being a part of our ministry and serving for God's kingdom. And so most importantly, we will grow, but others will grow as well. And so in being divinely connected, we must be on one accord and as one. And so since this upcoming weekend is college football weekend, I have a natural example to help us kind of understand our roles in the kingdom. Audio team? Okay, so we have OCC football team, okay? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Woo, rah, rah. Okay, first one. Okay, so our coach, okay? Our coach is our Lord. So as as a football coach, he is the overseer. Who is aware of everything that is going on with every player? He should. He should know every single person, every single position, where that person best fits on the team. So although we know that man does not compare to our Lord, we know that our Lord is omniscient and he knows all things. He knows our abilities, he knows our gifts, he knows where we belong within ministry for the purpose. 
So next we have our quarterback. Our quarterback is Pastor Dobbs. The quarterback is the general of the field. He is the leader and responsible for leading the plays of the team that have been orchestrated by the coaches. And so our pastor, Pastor Dobbs, is our leader, and he's responsible for delivering the word of God to God's people. So there's a special connection, if you notice in this picture, with our coach and our quarterback. And so the coach and the quarterback have to have this relationship. They have to be on the same page in ensuring that the plans and the plays for the team are going to be effective. They're going to have the most conversations before, during, and after the game. Now, I'm not a pro, but I do notice that at games, the quarterback will talk to the coach. The coach will give the quarterback the game, the play, and so forth. And then the quarterback is the one who's going to represent what the coach has discussed and take it over to the team. It's not the coach that's discussing with the players. It's the quarterback that has to run to the field to discuss the play that they're going to do. And so pastor is going to have that connection. Similar to our pastor, he's constantly talking to God and being led as to the rhema word that is needed for our saints. So just as our quarterback has to make sure the plays are together, our pastor has to make sure the word is together for his people. Next one. So we have our backup quarterback. Our backup quarterback is First Lady Dobbs. The backup quarterback is just as important because if the quarterback had an injury especially in the fourth quarter, somebody's got to keep those plays going, right? So our first lady is is representing that because you never know. You never know when pastor needs first lady to step in and take care of the ministry, whatever he needs. And we are blessed at OCC to have that dynamic team of our pastor and first lady who continuously, continuously converse about the best decisions after being led by God for our ministry. All right, our offensive line. All right, so our offensive line are the ministers. So the offensive line has some of the strongest players, and their main job is to keep the quarterback protected at all costs in order for the quarterback to make the play. So they're the ones that are directly in front of our quarterback, okay? If one of the offensive line linemen is off just for a half step, just for a half a second, that can open the door for the opposing team to literally come and attack and hit the quarterback. So as ministers, we're going to be directly near our quarterback. We're going to be lined up and ready to protect our quarterback through constant prayer and ministering to the saints. So similar to the offensive line, doing their role in protecting the quarterback so he doesn't feel the pressure, he doesn't feel the distractions that are ready to hit him and hinder his focus, our ministers are needed to protect our pastor and prevent as many distractions from trying to interfere Pastor Dobbs from delivering the word to God's people. And as ministers, we need to constantly be ready to serve at any capacity so that our pastor can focus on being prepared, eliminating those distractions, eliminating those attacks from the enemy, and be prepared naturally and spiritually to deliver the word. So our next one is our defensive line. So our defensive line are our leaders. Okay, they're the ones that are ready to attack, ready to defend. So while the quarterback is resting and getting ready for the next play, getting ready for the next call, the defensive line is on the field, and they're working to ensure that the opposing team is not going to score. 
So while pastor cannot be at every auxiliary meeting and every practice that we have, he is trusting that as leaders, we are going to do our role in continuing our meetings and our practices. He is trusting that we're encouraging our members to get excited and and serving in those auxiliaries. And so we have those several gifts that are ready. We have that diversity that's ready to grow and develop and grow within ministry. But leaders, even if our pastor is not directly on the field with us, are we doing our part to ensure that the opposing team, which is the enemy, is not trying to make a play or hinder us off course? Our defensive line, the quarterback's not going to be there, but we have a job. We have responsibility as leaders. Our next one. So the rest of the positions, they're the members. And if you notice, our quarterback is right in the middle. A very infamous one. And our quarterback is, and we have the different members of different positions. And regardless of the position on the team, every position is important and purposeful in helping the football team win the game. Just like every person in ministry is important and purposeful to helping our ministry goal and to winning those lost souls in the kingdom. So the players are looking toward their quarterback, who is typically the leader and the representative of the team, to keep them encouraged, to keep them motivated, to keep them pumped up for that game, for that next play, just like we're looking towards our pastor to keep us encouraged, to keep us motivated every Sunday and Wednesday, spiritually and naturally, in our daily walk with Christ. So we finally have our opposing team. Our opposing team. Next one. Our opposing team is the enemy, okay? The main job of the opposing team is to study every angle of their competing team. They're going to study every player, the art of their throw, how many times they throw a certain play, the style of a player's run, the style of a throw. The way commentators discuss, I'm like, okay, that's a lot of details. But it's every detail you could or could not imagine that's being assessed, that's being evaluated. And that is what the enemy is doing. He is studying every detail of every single player, every single member, every single leader, every single minister. He is studying their strengths, their areas of improvement. And the enemy will use any strategy and play possible to hinder us from our winning goal. And our winning goal is winning souls for the kingdom. That is our goal. As the OCC football team, we are trying to win souls for the kingdom. And you notice that they are very intricate in their work. They're studying So as the OCC football team, as one football team must become one in their expectations and value to one another on the team, our OCC football team needs to constantly strive to become one. We need to constantly support one another and step up on the field when the play needs to be executed. Ministers, our quarterback is going to need us to support him naturally and spiritually. As Lazarus needed those grave clothes removed, as he needed that that cloth removed, ministers, we need to be ready to help those that need their grave cloths removed as well. Grave clothes, excuse me. Not only are we striving in ministry through our home visits, through our prayers, through sitting with the saints, through helping our youth with tutoring. Yes, you do not need an education degree to help our youth with tutoring. And investing time into them, we are helping our pastor so that he can carry forth his responsibility in preparing the next play, which is delivering and ministering the word that he's heard from the Lord. 
And so in heading and going back to our focus text, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, if you will please join me. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Begin at verse 7, and it reads, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation, his presence, his doing. We are going to be given the profits, the benefits, the success, the favor. And it's going to be to all of us, not just one person, but all of us. All of us as we are connecting together as one. And so as we will come together as one for the kingdom with our different gifts, ministries, and abilities, we are going to receive the manifestation of the same God, of his spirit, thus giving us the benefits of being a child of God, of being a servant of him. And so in doing that, we're going to receive the benefits. We're going to receive the supernatural increase. Our better is continuing to come and it's continuing to flow down in the overflow of blessings because not only are you a servant of God, but you are connected to other godly people that are ready and excited to serve in ministry. And he recognizes that. It may be difficult. It may be challenging. But God recognizes what you're doing. He recognizes your faith. He recognizes your giving. He recognizes your sacrifice. And in turn, you will receive those benefits. You will receive those blessings, that anointing that is ready to pour over you. Stay faithful. Stay diligent. And not only are we going to receive the benefits from God, but we are going to be blessed with supernatural favor that will protect us and surround us completely as a shield. If you will join me in Psalms 5 verse 12. We are going to be protected and surrounded as a shield. Psalms 5 and verse 12. And it reads, beginning at verse 12, For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. That favor, that blessing, those benefits, we will be surrounded. When people can't recognize those blessings, they can't recognize those miracles that are working inside of you, when they can't recognize the protection that God has blessed upon you, God is surrounding you as a shield. He is protecting us. As a shield would. God is delivering us. He is prospering us. He's getting us ready for prosperity, as we know is salvation, protection, deliverance, and prosperity. We are receiving that salvation by being diligent, by being faithful. And as ministers, your service is not in vain. The work that you do is not in vain. You are divinely connected because you're connected with God. And as the sanctuary is going to continuously overflow with, with, with spiritual babes that are ready to live and serve for God, that are ready to be more like him, that may not understand, that may be ready, they, that have that plan, they have that purpose, but they may not know where their gifts can be used, where their areas can be, um, where their services can be used within ministry. 
And it's okay that we're not always going to know. It's okay that we're not going to be able to know exactly how to assist. But as ministers, it is important that as long as we continue to yield to God and ask him to teach us how to invest time into his children, how to build that trust, how to build that relationship, he will show us, he will lead us and guide us to continue to be a blessing and ministering to people and to reach our ultimate goal, which is winning souls for the kingdom. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.